welcome to Reimagine Hybrid Work, a Data for Betterment Foundation podcast. I'm your host, Maribel Lopez. I'm the founder of Lopez Research and the nonprofit, the Data for Betterment Foundation. The foundation's mission is to help individuals and companies prepare for the future of work by understanding how technology will change business and careers. If you like this episode, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com for links to follow the show on your favorite app and subscribe to our weekly newsletter for additional show content and articles. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Maribel Lopez and my blog on lopezresearch.com. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and I'm really excited to be joined here today with Larry Agadia. He is the CEO and founder of Envoy. And, you know, we're here today to talk a little bit about hybrid work. But before we do that, Larry, tell us a little bit about you and how you got involved in the tech field. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and thanks so much for, for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, I've been in tech my entire life. It's, um, it's an, it's an exciting, fast moving world. And, and of course, I'm going to always be attracted to that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it started as just, a uh, what was essentially me noticing at the different jobs I was at, Hey, um, the, some companies have it really figured out. They have all these like automations. They have their own little internal apps to do things like figure out the lunch menu and like uh, shuttle schedules and finding meeting rooms and all that. And then I, I started working at a smaller company and that company had none of this. And then I asked the obvious question of like, how do we get fancy maps as to where all of our meeting rooms are and desks are? And they said, we don't have that. You could build it if you'd like. And then I essentially eventually ended up doing that, except as a company a few years later. And that's what Envoy is today. It's uh, basically making it easy for anybody kind of trying to do hybrid work, returning back and, and figuring out how everyone can get coordinated. Um, and, and it's not just about when people are going in, it's about what are they going to do and how are they going to do it together? And how do they build a little bit more community together now that people are there all at the same time? So it's there's a lot of different aspects to it, but we're just really excited to be helping people kind of uh, with the workplace and making the workplace a lot more enjoyable and a better experience for everyone. Okay, so that's, you were in tech, you saw a need, and so then you created Envoy. Can you tell us a little bit more about Envoy? You were starting to kind of tease around the edges of it, but what is it? What does it do? Yeah, yeah. So we've been around for like several years now, and it's basically, we started as a product that acknowledged the situation that when people went into people's offices, they um, they didn't really know where exactly to go. They didn't really, is that the right office? Is, this the, is that door supposed to be open? Do I just walk through? There's this kind of concept of these visitors, which are so valuable for companies and so important to, to set a great first impression. They were confused. They didn't know what to do. So we, were, we built this product, uh, Envoy Visitors, which is all about kind of when people go in, they, they go up to an iPad that would be on a front desk. You like type in your name. Maybe you have to sign some kind of non-disclosure so then they can like take you to the interesting parts of the, of the building and, uh, and like that kind of thing. It turns out that this is like a very important thing for companies just to keep track of who's coming in and out and like, but doing it in a way that isn't super overbearing and like authoritarian is, is actually a whole challenge on its own. So we basically take all of these, we do it for security problems, and we make them interesting, exciting, uh, usable, and something kind of positive 
uh, and and this is what's memorable. So we grew, and uh, for several years now, we've just been keeps growing up until now. It's like something like fourteen, fifteen thousand companies or, or offices in the world using our products on a daily basis. And um, now, of course, there's this pandemic that suddenly showed up a few years ago. And being a visitor uh, uh, product that in in that world, of course, is, is a very different world. But we noticed that a lot of the essentials of of really being about the experience of people inside of offices and really being coordinated and and having um, like a, a safety is another aspect and 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 seeing a map of everybody and everything. This was just the same fundamentals for employees too. So we kind of forked our product where we have a very strong visitor section of our company, but we now also have a very strong kind of employee focused experience section. So it's all about coordinating with people when they go back, making sure they're together, that people come to an office that has people in it and that they're like thoughtfully seated beside each other as opposed to randomly all throughout. And we're doing our best to kind of bring kind of this kind of social, it's, it's not a social element, but it's more like um, people want to be in an office with other people and they want to be there because they want to enjoy their time there, but also get some work done. And we're trying to really bring the the productivity, but also the the kind of community aspect to it. So that's that's really what we're focused on these days. And visitors can be part of that too, and it is. Um, but uh, I think the workplace can just has so much more uh, waiting for people, and and we're trying to do our best in empowering them. You know, it's really interesting to see that shift, right? The, between it being that it was something that was about uh, just guests and, and visitors coming in and vendors maybe. And now you're looking at, um, we've got a lot of definitions of what return to office are and a lot of questions and some of what you were just getting at there with, you know, how do we start to think about the office's community <laughs> and bringing yes. back people. So what, you know, as you're out talking to people, what are some of the biggest concerns that you're seeing that companies are asking you about today? Because return to office is such a different thing today. Yeah, yeah. It's also very um, different in, in different regions. Like you go to places in New York, um, they're much more, uh, they're much more just like assuming, yeah, everyone's in five days a week. Uh, maybe six, if if you ask nicely. Like that's there's uh, what's it called? One of the um, uh, one of the bank CEOs said that recently, and I found that like a nice chuckle in comparison to like it's like two days or something in San Francisco. So um, the averages are definitely different by region, and it's different different cultures dictate different kinds of kind of processes that these companies have. But it really is about like, hey, how do we get people back? Like every company knows that they want to get people together. That there's a very intangible uh kind of uh aspect to it that's very important in in relationship building and and inherent trust building but but doing it in a way that's not overbearing is i think the biggest uh thing on on uh hr leaders minds and and technology people's minds like how do we do this in a painless way and uh, i think companies are finding ways where like if they can guarantee that the workplace has a lot of people in it uh they will they will be much more uh kind of uh like wanting this kind of thing and they also have like the analytics to show that is also really important too like they want to have some confidence that people are going to be in that they're going to be sitting together that they're going to have a meeting room that there's going to be enough food for people and that they're there it's going to be delivered at a certain time when people are going to be here and and that's the kind of stuff that's actually very important for companies so getting more data about their workplace is now a critical thing whereas in the past you could just assume people were going to be there five days a week so it was always kind of the same maybe maybe adjusted for the growth of a company. But now it's like, well, Tuesdays are going to be hopping, but like Wednesdays and Mondays and especially Fridays 
are going to be maybe not as much. And, and it's that balance, I think, that, that will get people, that, that's really gotten companies needing the data, needing the, like, the thoughtfulness about the experience, because I think just companies see the workplace as needing to kind of reprove itself again. And, uh, and they're trying to get all the help they can get to do that. I'm fascinated by this concept that anything can be a data problem that's solved with data. And I think that you just brought that up because uh, it's something I actually hadn't thought of. But one of the things that I get a lot of questions about is like, well, okay, what are other people doing? What are we seeing? What should we expect? Do we mandate things? Do we not mandate things? And it turns out, as you said earlier, everybody has their own culture. It's their own rodeo for everybody, right? So, um, but it's new and it's different than what it was before. And, and the data might start one direction. And once people get a sense of it, it might change and morph, but having, having your original data set and then seeing how it changes over time can really give you some insight in terms of how you yep. want to build a hybrid workplace. Right. Cause it's a new yeah, thing. For sure. For sure. And it's also, it depends a lot. Like one company can be based in multiple cities, which have do- different laws or different, just like uh, norms. Um, again, back to the New York, San Francisco example, uh, just because they're so different on this, uh, the, the, like one company can operate in both. We operate in both in, in New York, it is much more likely that our people are going to go in on average in comparison to the amount of people, uh, that are employed there versus uh, on, uh, in San Francisco. And, uh, and it's just, the companies need to know that because you can't have like a facilities manager, for example, be in San Francisco and, and kind of provision a place for, for 20% occupancy or 30% occupancy when really it's like 80 or 90% in a different city. So unless this person is going to be flying around and keeping up to date on every single, uh, different like norm and how the cultures are in those cities, uh, they're going to need to get this to be as automated as possible. Uh, not to mention all the laws and regulations around like all the COVID stuff. Like we just heard, I think yesterday that there was like an, a, a state is bringing back ma- mask mandates and it's kind of like, okay, guys, this will just literally just be confusing forever. Can we just all agree that it's going to be confusing forever? And, uh, and it, it's, you need to logistically keep track of that. So this is the kind of stuff where it's like, it really kind of, kind of ruins it for like the people trying to operate these workplaces in a consistent and great way when the the world rules keep on changing so that's why we're like i mean why we're so excited about what we do is like we're literally building tooling to make this way easier for people and make it consistent and have like one interface for everything um but it's also like aggregating the data from all of these different regions and products like Yes, maybe people are going in, but maybe they're only in there for a little while or they're not needing desks and they just use meeting rooms. Like you need to kind of aggregate the data from multiple physical things as opposed to just, for example, a desks product or just, uh, for example, badge data. So that's that's another kind of area where I think people are thinking about like, are they going to the office versus, well, what exactly are they doing? Because each of those costs different amounts of space and also usage. What I think is really interesting about what you're talking about is the flexibility and agility that you need as a business because you don't know what's going to happen next. So you have to have tooling that allows you to deal with whatever happens next. Yep. Then the the other interesting dynamic is I don't think people had as full of appreciation of the different geographic cultures per se, right, which are now really starting to take um take hold, which maybe we didn't have before. And I know a lot of organizations struggle with, well, what is company culture? And you know, one of the things I'm hearing from you is company culture is different depending on where you 
are geographically in that company. And that's fascinating, yep. particularly as we it's look very, to distribute it, right? Yeah, it's very visible too. Like it's, it's um, uh, the, the differences are not just in, in kind of like, companies will still have their culture and the more people are in as part of the company, they will kind of all come to a baseline version of the culture that that company actually is. But then when you combine things like, okay, well, we need to do a vaccine check to make sure that you're vaccinated before going into an office. Now you got this world of like, okay, well, part of the world is very like, oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to the office unless there's a vaccine check. And I want somebody that like I trust checking those to make sure that no one is skipping out on it, like to that extreme. And that, that is like the more San Francisco side. And then you get the opposite side, which is like, like you go to Texas, you go to like a lot of these places, they're kind of like, guys, can we all just get over this and like stop doing all this stuff? And I don't want to go in if I'm going to be a uh, vaccine checked. And, and, and then you get this like kind of opinion that's based off of kind of their friends and that culture of that region. But they are so uh, both sides are extremely kind of adamant about their ways where you can't have one policy for for an entire company because uh, you're going to you have to literally decide to exclude a certain set of people uh, because otherwise the other set won't work. So it's it's a very like it's it's a tough time for companies. I don't think um, I think HR professionals now are having the biggest headaches of their lives, too. So that's also kind of like what makes us feel like pretty good about what we're doing. We're trying to help these people that are just over overly um, like kind of needed right now to kind of solve these impossible problems. I know it might be a little early for this, but I'll ask anyway, because I think some of what you just said gets to it. And that's what are you considering best practices today? It sounds like one of the best practices is you need to be flexible to the different regions. Are there other things that you've been thinking about? Yeah, yeah. Especially in like a technology company where hiring uh, like people like engineers is extremely valuable. Like the amount of, of um, just like acceleration to a company's kind of potential is is dramatic. Um, these people are, are going to oftentimes really want like a, a lot of flexibility. They want to be able to come in on, on kind of their timing and like where they are. And, and they don't want to have to go through things if there, if there isn't good reason. So you're getting in this world now where people kind of have some choices and they're going to vote. If, if, if they don't want to go in, they're going to find a place to work at that will let them not go in. So companies, the best practices are around providing some level of flexibility and then really when people are coming into an office together, uh, and I do think that it is still a best practice, um, maybe not five days, but it is a best practice to go in some days. When people are being hybrid and coming in, uh, it's about making that time and experience as, as good as possible to kind of uh, have people be effective in that environment and to kind of uh, really absorb the culture at an accelerated pace that way too. Uh, I think that's really big. Companies' offices are one of the best ways that they can really spread like kind of their vision, their mission, their purpose. Uh, whereas if everyone's just at home and they're not constantly reminded of the things that they're doing, I mean, you leave that company, you join another one. I think a lot of people are getting pretty disappointed by like, well, I guess it's the same thing. It's just a, a different extension on my email address. Um, so it's, it's, I think that like, that's the big problem that's happening. Like, I think culture really unifies folks in a way that's, that kind of like trumps a lot of issues that they would otherwise have. And uh, when you don't have a strong version of it, I think people are a lot less satisfied with their, their work because every, every job has downsides. And, uh, and I think that people got over downsides uh, pretty fast when they saw, uh, like their friends there, when they saw like their colleagues they really like working with. And, um, and it's like, it's harder to do that now. 
I think you bring up a really interesting point. It's a point we talk about a lot when people say, well, can we go to 100% remote work or can we have people that are working remotely full-time and other people that are working in the office? And there's this um, tension around how do we make sure everybody feels included and welcome and understands what the culture is. And I think at the end of the day, even for the remote people, at some point there has to be some engagement and meeting the other people. And some companies have done a good job of thinking about this as saying, well, maybe we're going to have an annual or a quarterly meeting where we have everybody together so that we can get that sense of who the other people are that we're working with and, you know, the the shared experiences concept, which I think does create a culture, right? You need some kind of shared yep. experience. Of course, there are other ways that you can um, also keep that going and keep it alive uh, with, you know, what I call the funny socks program and other things that we do. Yeah, that kind of, yeah, yeah. And and like, you can imagine us, like all companies are are also doing that kind of stuff too. Like we have random things that we, that we send to people. They, um, we have these, these products that like, they'll like pair two random people for like a video call and you don't even know the other person. And, and like we do all of this stuff, uh, you just have to like go above and beyond to to kind of create uh, a culture and like have people be there for more than just like doing their job. Um, I think it's 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 really tough, though. A lot of companies in the past didn't have to be this intentional. So when they were when they were like, usually you can just take a bunch of people, shove them in a room. And like that is actually pretty good for like creating an inherent culture. And like if they're good people to each other and you hire for the right qualities, they're going to like find attachments that are much stronger than like, well, they like the current project they're working on to stay at a company. So that's the kind of stuff that like it's so, so when people are flying in uh, and you're creating these, these intentional events, make sure they're good. But it's also like, you need to have an experience for those people coming in too. They need to know where the people sit, who are the people around, who's this person beside me? Like if there's a bunch of people are there being put in the different spots, you may have not met them before. You want to know who they are. You want easy access to a map with people's names on it. And and if they change desk tomorrow, you want to know that. You don't want to have to assume it's a map from six months ago that who even knows if it's accurate. So this is the kind of stuff where it's all these little details, but it just comes down to organization and then kind of showing that in a way to the employees where they feel part of it too, as opposed to kind of this like HR mandated way of doing it, which is like gets the minimum of operating for a company. Like, don't get me wrong. It's still very important. But I think companies need to notch it up a little bit in, in how do the employees feel part of it and, and, and create that, that community and culture. And, and that's, that's hard to build. Like, I mean, we have a lot of people focused on like the usability, on design, on like tuning all of our stuff. And then it works for one company and then not for another. And then we got to figure out what the common thing is. And, and there's a lot of iteration necessary to, to do this. I don't think companies are used to um, this level of intricacy being necessary. To, to have people feel uh, more together. I have to say the the planning and the intention is something that is now going to be a new best practice for anyone that will do it well. So thank you for sharing that. And Larry, you know, we've come to that point in the podcast where it's time for the bonus question. So is there a book, a podcast, an activity or a place that you'd like to recommend to the audience? And why did you select it? Yeah, yeah. So um, this is uh, this is uh, I, I'm I'm going to try to get away with this. So uh, Andrew Chen, one of our board members, recently launched this book, uh, The Cold Star Problem, and it's uh, it's a really cool book on like network effects and growth, and kind of thinking about how to grow something where you're not just on the ground one at a time trying to achieve it from from scratch every time, 
And I think that like, it really maps really well to kind of how we grew and are growing as a company where it's really about like getting individual people to be advocates of, of the thing they're using and then telling their friends, telling their colleagues, telling like their, the, the people in their company, Hey, I used this thing on a previous company and this is really cool. Um, and then it spreads because of that. Uh, not because of like a very expensive conference or very expensive, like outbound material or very expensive, like uh, one-on-one sales calls. So uh, of course, all of those are still necessary to kind of make that final decision, but it's really nice when people like the thing you do and then they tell each other. Um, it takes a lot to con- to retain that and keep building it in a way that people are advocates. But yeah, Andrew's book uh, is is absolutely uh, very interesting on on this topic of just making sure people are are kind of advocating on your behalf. Great, Larry, I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, where can people find you if they want to keep the dialogue going? Yeah, yeah. So I'm on Twitter at LG. Um, and uh, it's a spoiler, I, I was there like early days and, and got a two letter name. I was very, uh, very lucky on that. Had broad database access, which was nice. nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll be, I, I'm on there. I sometimes write on our blog post and, uh, and I'm on here. So this is great. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time, Larry. And we look forward to seeing what you build next. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please visit reimaginehybridwork.com to subscribe to the show and the newsletter. Until next time, wishing you all of the best in everything in life and in technology.